I know it makes it sound super easy, but the easier it is for a financial partner to have a significant return, they don't need to overthink anything when they come and do a joint venture. You're listening to The Right Club Podcast, where the focus is all about helping you grow your real estate investment portfolio and live the life you want to live. Come grow with us and join our community at therightclub.com. And now your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi. Right Club Nation, welcome back to another episode of The Right Club Podcast. I am Sarah Larby and I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Alfonso Salemi. Hey buddy, how are you? Very good, Sarah. Very good. How are you doing? What are you up to? I... I've probably been at the cottage for uh, <laughs> three months with uh, a couple days here and there going back uh, into Oakville to check on the Burlington uh, Burr, aka potentially flip. But I, you know, now that the weather is nice, I love it up here. I would actually stay up here all summer if I could. What about you? That's awesome. Yeah, no, I, I know I've been up to your place, your cottage there and the view and, and the, the area is so amazing. So many amazing things. But uh, but yeah, that, that's good. Like, you know, we finding the positives during all this, right? As we're recording this, we're this is uh, May 31st, right? Kind of uh, two and a half months into this COVID and, and things are starting to open up. And um, yeah, like I said, I'm actually on my way to uh, to go show some tenants uh, the new uh, duplex conversion that uh, that I just completed in Hamilton. So everything's go. We got the final occupancy and all that kind of stuff. So now, you know, with obviously with your great advice, screening tenants and things like that, showing showing the tenants the um, the, uh, the units as well and, and getting through that. So I'm super excited. Okay, that congratulations. That's so, so that's your first burr essentially, right? Pretty much. Yeah. That's the first oh, one. Yeah. Awesome. Like this is the Love first part. Yeah. So this is going to be great. Like it's all brand new. Like I was so worried about like construction and ripping things out and I've worked around construction and have friends in construction most of my life, but I don't know how to do any of it. But like after all the walls were opened up and believe me, I am like, I'm the anti-investor of like what, what we tell investors, like, you know, have a system, have it there. And I did, we had all the right people in place construction, but I was there like almost every day at the project. And luckily it's close to home. So I was always on the way home or on the way out, but I was like checking on it every day and looking at it and I didn't really need to, but it just made me feel good. I think the next one, probably maybe once a week at the most, <laughs> I'll probably do that because I don't need to see like paint drying and stuff, but it's been a really good experience. I felt like almost like a brand new investor you know, at the table, like, okay, buying it and now renewing it in the plan and then, okay, got delayed. And then obviously in the midst of the pandemic of what's going on, but, uh, but yeah, like continuing to grow it that way there. Jag is so busy. We brought on some new people and, um, and yeah, us continuing to kind of build uh, the right club and interviewing amazing people, uh, and doing the podcast. So that's, that's what I've been up to. We've been keeping busy, you know, the stay home and everybody's like, Oh, I'm on, I'm on my seventh different series of watching that. You're like, get out of here. Like, you know what, we're still, we're still putting in the work, still doing the things that we need to do. And, and uh, yeah, so I, I guess that's what I've been up to. And, and we've been talking quite a bit about uh, the right club and all the new things and stuff like that, that we have lined up. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, by the time you hear this, Right Club is going to be live online. So check it out, therightclub.com. There's going to be a whole new platform, tons of amazing information, forums. If you have deals, you want to post them off market, you have money partners, or you want to be a money partner, like you're going to be able to connect with so many people. So check it out. Um, but Mandy Brenham is our guest for today. She is amazing, has a ton of units, an inside property management company, but she is the queen of JVs and she is known for that. So we've spent some time talking about joint ventures and uh, she is a wealth of knowledge, had tons of great insights and information. And you guys have probably met her, heard of her, uh, whether it was on this podcast or something else, but she is just really out there to be able to help others, which is really cool. 
Absolutely. We really think uh, you guys are going to like this podcast. Mandy's a great resource. If you do, make sure you rate, review the podcast, give us some love. It helps us reach out to even more people and find more amazing investors and, and business owners that want to get into real estate. So enjoy the podcast and, uh, and uh, let's get right to it. Welcome, welcome to the Right Club podcast. Today we have on Mandy Branham. Mandy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Right on. Sarah and I are super, super excited to uh, to have you on and interview you. I know you've been in the Right Club rooms and works with so many people uh, in, in the Right Club community, in the Right Club nation. So uh, thank you so much for joining us. For those uh, that aren't lucky enough that have met you or, or know about you already, why don't you give us a little bit of a, a background or a quick, uh, quick history about who you are, what you do? Why real estate? Why joint ventures? Why now? Why Mandy got into joint ventures? Absolutely. You know what? It started off my husband and I doing our own little thing. We wanted uh, to create a passive income that wasn't reliant on on an industry, on somebody else. And, and we realized that we were hard workers. And so the harder we worked, the, the more results we got. 2007, we bought our first property. And in 2014, we refinanced it. And we said like, wow, we've got a check for 38,000. So in seven years, one property, 38,000. And it was cool. But I said, this isn't enough. It's not enough to supplement his retirement, my retirement, my, sorry, my, uh, my kids' education and weddings and vacations. So I said, we need more. And that's what we were. We went on a journey, started uh, coaching, getting some coaching in 2014 and have transacted on 88 properties since that time. Uh, currently holds 66 in our portfolio and just on a journey to be able to help other people create financial freedom through real estate. That's really impressive. So six years in that many properties. So what was your biggest fear, you know, as, as you were growing so fast, like what kind of fears came through your or your husband's minds? Oh, two different minds there. Super nicely. Irwin helped me understand that I'm the gas pedal and he's the brake and you kind of can't have a car without, without a gas pedal. Cause you can't go, but you can't have a car without a brake because then you won't stop. So it's a really cool dynamic for us to acknowledge. Some of my fears were, I don't deserve this. My fears were, my life is good. Why do I need more? And so like the under, it's like, it was like the fear of having too much, the fear of going too big away from who I was used to being around because then I wouldn't resonate with people. And so understanding that it was going to be a very different version of myself. Some of my fears were, is this property really good? What if that home inspection that came out that told you everything was wrong with the property and you're still like, I'm still going to buy it anyways. What if those things actually all happened at the same time? What would I do? As you're growing a portfolio, you go, if every furnace and every property stops today, would I be able to financially be, you know, able to uphold all of that and, and put in my end of the bargain? So there was like certainly a, a cash factor fear as you continue to grow. Those were, those were some of the pretty real fears that I had. Yeah. And you know what? I, I want to touch upon one specifically, because that was one that I dealt with personally was, you know, like, I do, I deserve this, you know, all this success and, you know, the different things. And as you like, is this for me? Like, no, this is for you know, other people to own many properties and rent out. Right. And I think as we get past that to say, Hey, you know what, if Sarah can do it, if Manny can do it, if Alfonso can do it, guys, you can do it. Right. This isn't like a, I don't want this to be like an infomercial or like an after school special and like, Hey, you can do it guys. Like, no, really, it's hard work. You got to learn a lot. You got to build your power team. You got to do a many, many things. But 
the, the, the act of deserving is not like a good thought process. It's like, if you want to do it, go out and get it, right? So. Yeah, I, I have a term. It's called, you know, there's a lot of people that'll say, I'm fine. I'm okay. I'm good. And, you know, Tony Robbins will say, it's the hardest step is to go from good to great. And we have to believe that we are worth great. And so there's a lot of personal development. I know you talk about it in your room. It's like, yes, we're here to talk about real estate, but really underlyingly, we're talking about how do I increase my self-worth? Um, how do I, you know, increase my deserve level? Why? Why me? Why now? Why real estate? But, you know, you have to believe that you are worth it. I tell a story. When I first started to think of Think and Grow Rich, I listened to it for the first time, and it says to pick an amount of money that you want to have, right? So I picked this outrageous amount at the time of $50 million. And I remember thinking, well, was that cash? Was that a portfolio value? Like, where is this money? Like, what does it? And I was like, stop thinking about it. 50 million is my number. And the next day, not going to shit you, Lotto 649 for the first time came out, the biggest jackpot they've ever had, $50 million. And, and as I went to buy my ticket, because I was like, you're silly if you're not going to buy this ticket. You just said yesterday you wanted a $50 million number, and here it is. And as I'm looking at this ticket, I'm like, I'm, I don't deserve this yet. I haven't grown enough to be able to have $50 million. So on this side, I'd made this statement and I knew I needed to become the person that deserved 50 million. Walking into a store and coming out with a piece of paper, I hadn't created, I wasn't the person yet that deserved that. And so as you're growing, you realize that the next level, the next property, the next amount of money that you're asking from a, a joint venture partner or raising capital, you have become the person that is able to level up, but you can't skip a step. You can't, you can't just go from zero to hero. You every hero has a hero's journey. So that's, that's my share. Yeah, absolutely. I, when you're saying this, I'm thinking of that iceberg and all the, the you know, trouble and the, you know, the determination on all the problems that happen are like underneath the, the surface and on the surface you see success and you see wealth and you see all those things. And it's like, okay, well, you have no idea the sacrifices. You have no idea you know, how much it took to get to where we are all are today, but you just see the success piece, right? So there's all like those, the whole background story, which I think is, is really cool, you know? And I, and I think back in the day too, I'm just like, I would love to win, you know, a multi-million dollar um, lottery, but real estate actually has a lot more chance to get you there. And that $50 million when you're in real estate and you've got, you know, your 88 properties, like you have Mandy, I mean, it's, it's a lot more attainable and I'll tell you, you have a bigger chance and I was reading those stats ironically, you know, years ago and you have a, a better chance of getting hit by lightning twice than to win the lottery. So don't make that your retirement plan. This is why we do real estate because we actually have the ability to create this for ourselves. So that's really cool. I want to switch uh, gears a little bit and talk about the JVs that, and how you structure them. And if it was always like that from the start. Sure. When I learned about joint ventures for the first time, I learned it from somebody who did 50-50 joint ventures. My mentor did 50-50 joint ventures. And that's just the way that I created my joint venture. So I am a 50-50 structure, meaning, um, and just for super clarity, the financial put partner puts in all the money, down payment, renovation funds, all of the money. And I always say my bookkeeper loves it that way because she's not questioning, well, did you put in half? How much was that? Was this deposit from them or you or, you know, what percentage? I was like, nope. 
any financial contributions is coming from them. And then, you know, the super clarity on it is that upon a refinance in my joint venture structure, I don't get paid until my financial capital, my financial partner gets all of that money back. So the better I do for them, the better they do, the better they do, the better I do for myself. And so it's like putting my money, their money where my mouth is and, uh, so structure it 50-50. Now, as we're getting into some larger buildings, there might be some different there some different splits, but I don't want to go there because that's not that's not my model. My model is 50-50. Um, and I I now have systems around the finding, the negotiating of the properties, the assignment, the legal, the joint venture agreement, the bookkeeping, the accounting. So when somebody comes on, I actually had a lady just the other day say, I feel like I haven't done anything and our property is set to close in three weeks. And I said, that's the beauty of a joint venture is that it's, it can be that hands off. Now, this is a turnkey property. So we're not looking at quotes. We're not looking at, you know, major structural home repairs, things like that. The lease agreements are in place, pitter patter. So I know it makes it sound super easy, but the easier it is for a financial partner to have a significant return, they don't need to overthink anything when they come and do a joint venture. Awesome. And just a question about like your exit strategy. Like what is that? Is that three years, five years? Is that seven years? How do you talk through that with the JVs? Love it. So A, the word is talk because this is a relationship that we're in. Uh, typically my joint ventures follow the term of a mortgage. So if the mortgage is a five-year mortgage, we would have a five-year joint venture agreement. Then they're always like, well, what happens in five years? We have this human conversation that says, where are you in life? Are you close to retirement? Do you need these money? Are your kids going to school? And we bought them for the purpose of going to school. And so if you like the asset and I like the asset and we feel that the asset has performed very well, we'll do a refinance. Any capital gets paid back if we, and then we can choose to keep it again for the next five years. If it's a two-year mortgage, because that was the purpose of it, somebody wants to be a full-time investor, but they know they've got three to five years left of work, I'll say, look, it, let's do a joint venture. I'll look after your money in real estate until you're ready to be that full-time investor. Then we, then we exit the property at that time. Away we go. I had some lady that we sold a, a triplex. She's like, my heart is in condos. I want condos we exited the joint venture so that she could continue to buy condos. So, I mean, it's a very relationship based. My joint ventures are not, you know, they're, they're black and white. They've got things on paper, but it's such a human interaction that I, that I set up for my partners. Yeah. And with obviously with the number that you've done and, you know, the dub, the, the, the joint, the JV queen, right. That's a lot of people. That's the, the Instagram, the Facebook handles. I love that. And, you know, we, we talk about it often is, you know, with us and Jack properties, we use a lot of giant joint ventures as well too. And I think people throw around like, Oh, JV and no partner and all that kind of stuff. But it's really the true sense of the word is it is a partnership, right? That, like you said, the, your partner, has the financial obligations, the mortgage, the, 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 the money for the construction, all that kind of stuff. But you have your responsibilities. You're putting all that together and together it's a partnership. You know, there was a saying one time, it's like, what do you call two people that always agree? There's one too many. You need to have those countering points or someone to give that benefit, right? So, okay, so let me, yeah, we're, we're talking about, you know, lots of joint ventures, the way you structure it, the way your properties are. Maybe what are some of the fears you see with your joint venture partners now? Because, you know, you talked about your fears you know, back in, you know, 2014 when you were first starting and like, oh, do I deserve it and all this kind of stuff. And like you just mentioned, yeah. three years and I haven't done anything. I'm getting all this money. Maybe they get those same fears. But what do you see when you have your joint venture partners talk to you or if there's somebody listening here saying, yeah, I've heard of Mandy. I've watched her stuff. I wanted to invest with her. I'm not sure. What are some of the things that you help them overcome or, yeah. or help them get to the table? 
Okay, overcoming is a lot. Two fears right off the bat. Why would I give away half of the profits when I could keep 100% for myself, okay? And for that, I easily just say, you know what? I, I, you've got all the tools. There's phenomenal podcasts, groups. You can go and, and join a coaching program. It is what it is. Here's my accountability. In three months, if you've not transacted on a property, I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you and I'm either going to help you over some more barriers that you're obviously in, or you're going to come back and we're going to do that joint venture. I don't pressure people. There's no pressure for me. Okay. Because this is one of this is the other than their primary residence. This is the second largest purchase that they'll ever make in their life. I do not need to be a pushy car salesman. Okay. Um, so that's a big fear of theirs. Well, why would I give you half if I could do the full thing on your own? Now, typically Sarah, you guys, yeah, oh, gosh, I, I looked at a Jag property email that came the other day and I was like $1,500 a month cash passive cash flow. I'm an idiot for not being, I, I can't qualify right now. Right. But I was like, that's brilliant. So the point being is that you might be able to do a hundred percent, uh, you'll get a hundred percent of the returns, but the returns that you'll do with a, with a specialized investor is better than a hundred percent on your own. Now you don't need to scare people with that. The second fear is who are you? And like, is this really a scam? Now, I mean, there's reputation. There's certainly, I, I let people talk to my other joint venture partners. So I get references, referrals, things like that. But you know, you think about it and you're like, yeah, so I qualify for the mortgage. I put in all the money and you know, so she just looks after the property. Like it's, it's not a standard financial planner. So if you were to, I wanted to refer to myself as a real estate planner you know, the same way that somebody refers to a financial planner, because how many people just give money to a financial planner? Do you do the research on them? Do you really say, show me a portfolio that you've performed well with? Let me talk to some of your other clients before I give you my 150, 200, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars worth of RSPs and, and equity. No, nobody does that kind of interviews, right? But we're interviewing these real estate experts such as, you know, such as all of us. So, you know, that's a fear. And you don't, you don't pretend that it's not there. You just, you have to acknowledge it. Um, and then uh, the other one really is, is this the right property? Is it a rent to own? Is it a long-term buy and hold? Should I rent? Should I joint venture on a flip? Should I go Nova Scotia? Do I go to Windsor? Do I go in Hamilton? And they've got all these, like these, these, all these options. And we just have to, you know, so a fear is, are they making the right decision? And you just have to bring them on in and just like calm down a little bit. And uh, something else I work with my joint venture partners a lot is on the psychology of, of financials, of finances. When somebody has invested $100,000, their heart palpitates a little bit. They're nervous. They're scared. There's the possibility of what if I lose it? And so we do a lot of like wealth psychology around it's secured on the asset. Here's what it looks like. Let's go back to your net worth statement. Did you update your net worth statement to show a new asset and a new liability? And so we're really working on the psychology of your money's not gone. It's just reallocated into another account. Here's where the income comes in. Here's what it looks like. So we're, we're really just grounding people on the, on the benefits of, of real estate. But that's a huge one in my, in my joint venture world, especially at the end of a renovation when somebody's got down payment, another hundred plus thousand dollars in renovations, and there's maybe some income coming from the upper unit. We've, we're unsure of the ARV potentially. Are the renovations really done? Is there going to be any last minute unknown expenses? And so their psychology around the amount of money that they have out is really high at that point. 
And so one of the benefits of working with me is, is uh, you know, being able to keep them down, walk them off the cliff, uh, acknowledge the, the value of the solidity of the asset that we've invest, invested in. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Right Club Nation, let's take a quick minute here to meet our sponsor for the week, Blackjack Contracting. They've been serving Niagara, Hamilton, and Brantford areas, and for the past three years, becoming the area's largest basement suite renovation specialist. That's right, and Blackjack works with real estate investors, both new and experienced, converting single-family homes into multiple legal suites and renovating properties to achieve their maximum potential and value. Absolutely, and they've completed over 100 units from Brantford to Niagara Falls and everywhere in between. They handle everything from permitting and design to final cleaning before you list your rentals. And they also have fully licensed electrical contractors certified with the ESA and take jobs of all sizes. Make sure to check them out at blackjackcontractinginc.ca and also follow them on social media at blackjackcontractinginc. And they say investing can sometimes feel like the biggest gamble of your life, but when you have blackjack on your side, the house always wins. So now, back to the podcast. And now, back to the show. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. So, okay, so I have a question. I mean, a lot of people are probably wondering, you're, you're mentioning multifamily, you're mentioning single family, you're mentioning turnkey, some renos. Like, do you have a strategy or are you open? Like, do you kind of just look at a geographic area and everything there? How do you actually pick and choose your properties and then the strategy that goes with it? So I think one of the main things that I've learned over myself and my investment strategy over the last six years is that you, you have to acknowledge the numbers and pivot when you need to pivot. So I was in Midland. I did majority of my properties, Midland, Penetang, and then everybody came to Midland. And, you know, between my mentor and I, one year we bought 50 properties. Well, what does that do to your market? Beautifully, it lifts the values of the assets that you already owned in the market. So it's great. My portfolio went from, you know, a duplex worth 225. We refinanced at 350 a year and a half later, right? We prob- I probably pushed the value of those assets continue to go. But then the numbers didn't work because I couldn't find the same number. And I was anticipating an end ARV, which was a speculative number. I don't speculate. I'm like, what are my firm sales? What is the last ARV that you got? I'm really consulting with my local current investors to be able to figure that out. So I pivoted. And where did the numbers work? Hamilton. So I went to Hamilton, went to St. Catharines, went to Kingston. So still spreading out. I will buy a turnkey asset if the numbers work. The other thing I really do is I discuss with my joint venture partner, who are they? What are they looking for? What's their risk tolerance? So one of the stories that I have is a, is a beautiful joint venture partner who, hey, they have a, a disabled child and this asset that they wanted to do in a joint venture was for their child's retirement, right? So just, you just think about that for a little bit. There is no sexy fast. They didn't, you know, they weren't going, I need the biggest ROI because I need this money fast, whatever. This is a 40 year plan. So when I went shopping for that asset, it was a solid fourplex. Interestingly enough, it overlooked a park with like this uh, pickleball court as well and a baseball field. That's what the, that's what the property looks at. So I, I called them up. I said, I found the asset. One unit was, it's, and it's the, one of the highest performing assets we have but we're not refinancing because their strategy is not how to do this again. That asset is gonna be paid off for his retirement. So when I'm buying some, I interview my partners to be able to make sure that 
I am buying the type of asset that meets their needs. So I want to just ask a follow-up question to that because that's a 40-year time frame. Yeah. So is, what is the exit strategy? Is it you're staying on with them at 40 years or are they buying you out after five or seven? Like, how are you planning that? You know what, what I would say to that, Sarah? Don't sign up for that class yet. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. It's, I mean, the property is is up and running. It's it's uh it's working. I mean, if they were to say, I want to buy you out, I'd probably say, no problem. I love you. I think it's a great asset. See you later. Like, I'm not going to be so connected to an asset that if somebody wants out, we're done. I'm the the point of a 40 year uh, retirement for their son in 40 years was the type of asset that we were looking for. So I wasn't looking for a 1800 or, you know, 1900, you know, old property that we would have to do a major renovation on and whatnot. That's not what they were looking for. They were looking for something that they know that the, the remaining economic life was easily going to be enough for their, to be able to be there for their son. Maybe in 20 years we sell it, maybe in 10 years we sell it and they put that into some kind of fund for their son. Absolutely. But the, the, the point being is that that's the timeline that we had. That was the kind of asset that we were looking for. Um, you know, somebody, my bank manager called me one time and he said, hey, Mandy, I'm looking at this property. It was in Aurelia, Ontario. And I was like, are you in your BMW right now? And he said, yeah. I said, get in the car and get out of there, right? So he was like, what do you mean? What do you mean? It's the cheapest house in Aurelia. I said, I know, but it doesn't match who you are and what kind of asset you should be buying. So I told him to go around the university. He bought two brand new uh, townhouses. His wife picked the paint colors, the flooring. I mean, it, it was a type of tenant profile that he was looking for. And that story stayed with me because you need to be able to match the property to the joint venture partner and what their outlook what, for it is. So it's super important. Yeah, absolutely. And I think many, so many times, a lot of investors, myself included, and I know you ladies can, can chime in as well too. We, we forget what the goal is, what, what we want. Sometimes we're just like more, right? I know for a few years in the rent to own, as we were kind of growing, we're like, well, let's just do more rent to own. But then, you know, sitting back and saying, hey, what is the goal here? What's the accomplishment? It's so important that you talk to every single one of your partners to see what their end goal is and see what's available. With your experience, you're able to shift and, and offer different things, right? So, you know, throughout, as, you, as you've been doing these multiple deals and, you know, accumulating the portfolio that you have, what do you think, or maybe if there's not one, but, you know, maybe pick out one that, you know, as part of your power team of somebody that, you know, you'd say, I don't know where I would be without them. Or as you build your own business, I know for us, you know, we work with realtors that find clients that can't qualify for rent to own. And that's our strategy, right? So, you know, with doing flips and burrs and, and all these types of things, maybe, maybe a, a certain part of the team that a, an investor wouldn't think of to say, Hey, that's an important part, or Hey, that's a great way to find leads. Maybe some insight on that. In my, if, if I were to overlook who is on my team that's helped me on every deal, I'm probably going to say two people that aren't necessarily who you're going to think. Uh, I'm looking at one right now who's in there. So, so my spouse, my husband, Larry, it's just like an integral part of therapy when you need therapy, support when you need support, a plumber when you need a plumber, you know, uh, somebody who's just going to, you know, be a bodyguard when you're going to talk to a, to a tough tenant or going to ask some good questions. So support that way to me is just utmost important. And yes, there is the, the total purchase. So you won't have a real estate, you won't have a property if you don't have a real estate agent, you won't have a mortgage if you don't have a mortgage broker. But I think what sometimes we forget and we have, uh, we want, everybody wants long-term wealth. 
I'm not a short-term cash flow. I'm like, I'm not short-term gains. I'm long-term wealth. My property manager, Curtis Moen, in the property management company that we have created, keeps my properties above water and my tenants calm. And, you know, the last two months, July or April, March and April, April and May, I guess. And here we are June 1st tomorrow. We've received 95% of our rents. So the, um, the tenant connection, so the point of owning real estate is to own them for 10 years for tenants to pay and tenants to live in their, your properties, uh, real estate, like real estate wouldn't be real estate if somebody didn't pay your mortgage. So those two people are like utmost important in my long-term wealth strategy. That's awesome. I love that answer. Now you mentioned property manager. Do you have an in-house property management person that is just employed by you and, uh, and Larry, is that what you're saying? Yes, we created, so under the umbrella of properties, uh, we created almost an asset acquisition company, which we then transition over the assets to the construction company that we have. Then we easily transition them over to the property manager. So really when I'm buying the property, I already have the property manager that's placed the seed knowing the type of asset that we're creating. So he's already looking for the tenant. We, then we bring in the construction company at the time that we're buying it and we're placing that project in their project timelines. We're allocating the man, the manpower. And so that's, that was, it was the first thing that we ever did. So yes, to my joint ventures, there is a property management fee. I oversee the management of the asset. I don't oversee the management of the toilets. You don't want me managing toilets. You want me managing your asset, making sure that it's performing at its highest and best use. And there, yes, so yes, I can make money off of my construction company and off of my property management company, but trust me, sweet peas, I don't make money. Like that's not where wealth is created. And it's very small, myopically focused people that think, well, I'm not doing a deal if you're the contractor. No problem. Uh, but you look at it and you go, the more, um, I don't know if you know about Polis, Polis Investing Fund, They're, they buy large apartment buildings they do what we do in the large apartment buildings. So they pride themselves on having an in-house construction company that walks through when they're buying the property. They pride themselves on having an in-house leasing manager that manages the tenants on all of these properties. So the more seamless you are, that there's no gaps in between. You know, like we get mad if we have tenants coming through when the renovations are still going on. Well, that's only allowed because we're the construction company. Can you imagine an outside construction company going, you can't bring a property manager through here. And I'd be like, well, actually we are because it's, you know, it's you and, and it's us getting paid for the tenant. And so anyways, long story. Yes, it is one of the first, we offer superior property management to all of our joint ventures for a fee. And, and I love, and I love that integration. You're just controlling that whole process, right? And you mentioned somebody that might not like that. I actually prefer that because if you're my partner, you're saying, hey, you're also the construction company and you're also the property manager. Like, you have a full visibility on everything. Isn't that more comforting versus, well, I don't really know these guys. And I think that maybe comes from, and I know you have this mindset, that abundance mindset versus that scarcity mindset. Most of us real estate investors, we always like to think, you know, there's more opportunity, there's more room for growth. And, you know, I think early on, if you don't wrap your head around, hey, it's okay to have half a watermelon and then a whole grape. Right. And that's kind of the mentality that a lot of us have to have is that we can do more work together and, and accomplish more together working in that sense. Right. So so what are some things that, you know, you work on day to day? How, how are you going out and finding, you know, th those amazing properties and on a day to day basis? So like you said, you expanded outside of Midland, you're in other cities as well, too. 
probably built up some some power teams in different areas. You know, I know Sarah has as well too when she's working in different cities. So how, what are some things that you know, an investor can go and do today to go and implement to find a good deal? I know, you know, we don't want all your tricks and tips yep. and secrets, yep. but what are some tips that they can put into action today? Success leaves clues. So if you want to be like Alfonso doing rent-to-owns, be on your email list and watching where are the deals, what are they analyzing, what are they looking at? There's a new coaching group out there and I've had a lot of people and they're all about cash flow. Well, where's the 1% rule that your properties don't work under the 1% rule. And I was like, I don't know if you realize, but we're in Ontario here and that typical 1% doesn't necessarily work here. Well, does that mean it's wrong? No. So success leaves clues. If I'm going to tell a new investor, if you're trying to stay within your means, you're probably going to go to one of the small markets, which is Windsor, which is Thunder Bay, maybe Sudbury, like, I don't know, like up there where their money can go the furthest. Or you say, I want a solid return. I want a solid city. I'm not speculating on uh, appreciation. You're not buying in Hamilton to speculate. You just know that it's just solidly there. I would do what, what other successful people are doing. I remember a good friend of ours and they had a strategy and then I was like, hey, cool, that's a good strategy. Maybe it's time to pivot because look at all the people that are doing single family conversions right now. It obviously works. Don't, don't say, well, but I'm not sure if it works. Hey, you, you can have that question over there and go find the answer. But over here, I'm going to tell you that 80% of the people are buying single families, converting them to legal duplexes. So you think that strategy works? Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure it works. Now, every municipality has their own little nuances. So I'm definitely telling people to, to start to reach out, ask some questions. But uh, success leaves clues. Do what other successful investors are doing. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you mentioned the 1% because when you are in Southern Ontario, it's very hard to get. Unless you're going to like, you know, very, very far North communities or something along those lines. But yeah. There's another point though, right, Sarah? It's hard to get. And people are like, you know, I don't have a sheet in front of me, but people are like, well, the pro forma, there's no 1% on this. No, no, no. 1% are created because I bet you, you guys have created the 1% rule, but you didn't buy it at the 1% right. rule. Yeah. So there's this like timeline, give yourself two years, people like give yourself that, you know, so that's why the, the mentality around how fast can I get my money out is good to have, but then there's. It, it takes time to build money in real estate at least two years. And I'm glad that you mentioned that because, because one of the things that I do is I like to find tenants that are not lifers, right? Because in Ontario, we're very limited to how much we can increase year over year. And this past year it was 2.2%. But once they turn over, you know, the rents increase on market rents. Like if you were to move out and find something else is like, you know, in some of the neighborhoods that I'm in, investing in 10% or more. So once they're out after two or three years, like sometimes I'm getting a four or $500 lift on just the increase. I'm like, sweet. So one of the things I, I screen is for tenants that have a goal of buying their houses or like moving it at some point to something different. But if they're like, I want to live here forever. This is my forever home. Unfortunately, you could be the best tenant in the world, but it doesn't work financially. And this is a business at the end yeah. of the day. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now I do have the lifers. I do have certain properties that that just works in, but that was the strategy around that property and, uh, and away you go. So I would tell you that the majority of my portfolio and now keep in mind, like we're talking 160 units is, is, is what's in my portfolio right now. So those aren't all a type tenants, but I love my B, 
B minus tenants. They're beautiful. Like everybody, like everybody's a beautiful person. And so the larger you go, you are going to have to acknowledge. I have people who are on disability. I have government checks that come directly to me that get direct deposited. You know, people who are Ontario works, all of that stuff, no judgment on these people, but you realize that as you continue to build a portfolio, it's not all butterflies and rainbows and you are going to, you know, the odd property, the odd person gets in there and next thing you know, they are a lifer. How do we get them out? You don't. You know, there's yeah, just, I, I do agree. Like, I mean, not everybody is, you got to look at your old, old, like your whole entire portfolio. I will say though, there are some, and I have absolutely nothing against the disability payments. I think they're great. Like some of those tenants are amazing. Like they pay on time, you know, but they, they will be there for a while. However, to get the 1%, you know, that is a, that is a different strategy. So overall portfolio, fine. But yeah. if you're looking at that 1%, this is the tenants that you need to have kind of more of a rotation. Yeah. Sometimes though, maybe that's a good opportunity I can put in there for, for new investors is there is an opportunity to be able to buy properties under market value if you take over the tenant. So I kind of have a bit of a, a hard spot if somebody's like, well, that'd be a great asset. I just need all the tenants to leave. And I was like, I don't know. Why don't you go tell your grandma, your aunt and your uncle that they all have to move out uh, so you can make more money. Like it's a, it's a human thing here as well. And so, you know, I'm sharing with people, if you want to be able to make money in, in the buy, buy an underperforming asset. And you know what, you could pay these people an amount of money they've never had kind of like their own lotto 649 without getting struck by lightning and offer them cash for keys at an amount that makes sense to them to leave. And it makes sense for you because you negotiated such a discount on this, on this asset. So, I mean, you start at 5,000, but I would, I tell people 10,000 is my max. Can you imagine if you bought a property for 50,000 under market value for a duplex and all it cost you was 20,000 to get those people out? And so you still have a $30,000 lift. Now, psychologically to yourself, the investor, you have to realize that you're paying somebody to be able to leave, but that value is significantly higher than what you're paying these tenants. I had a gentleman that we went and bought his washer and dryer. We knew his son and we went over, bought this unit for, uh, for one of our properties. And he was complaining that, you know, these tenants took him for a loop and, you know, $10,000. He couldn't believe the damage that they had done to the unit. And I'm looking around. I said, when did you buy this property? Three years ago. How much did you buy it for? 300 and some, whatever. Um, and I was like, what's it worth now? 600. And I was like, I looked at him and I was like, you just made $300,000 and all it costs you is $10,000 in renovations. And he slides his head over and he's like, nobody has ever put it to me that way. I'm like, I know, welcome to my world, right? So stop complaining about the 10 grand because I really don't give a crap. I'm excited for you to have made 300,000 at the same time that that tenant paid your mortgage down and all it costs you is 10 grand in renovations. So like when you have the bigger picture in mind, if you can really negotiate that asset, pay somebody 20 grand for two tenants to leave, increase the market rents, just as you said, by three, $400 and increase the value of your asset. You probably just made a hundred grand and all it cost you was 20. Yeah. And you know what? That's it. We, we are, our success is really subject to how creative we all can be right? We work with other people, listen to podcasts, talk to people like Mandy, attend different webinars, different events where you're going to get creative, where, you know, a piece of one strategy might work for another piece of strategy. Yeah. And let me put this in your thought process for both of you ladies and what your thoughts are that have the long-term rentals. What about, Hey, you want to get that client out because you want to increase their rent. 
Are they a good candidate for rent to own? Maybe call your friend Alfonso here and let's get them into their buy and buying their own home. Now they go and own their home. You can fill that tenancy, right? And I've said this to property managers. We've done this successful with other investors that have said, hey, they've been in my property for two, three years. They might be good candidates. And we're creating win, win, win. A win for the client because now they get to go and move into their home and get their dream. A win for you, right? Because now you put in another tenant. And if you have a joint venture partner, a win for your investor, and then you can reappreciate. So again, it's being creative, guys. If you just want to, you know, put your money in and hopefully something else, go put it in a bank and a low interest account or the stock market and watch Google Finance every day and watch those things go up and down. But if you want to be part of it and work creatively, the real estate world, that, that's where, you know, you can be creative. And if you're scared to be creative and say, well, that can't work or that won't work, well, you're right. It's not going to work for you. So yeah, just to I, I congratulate every tenant that goes to buy their own home. You know, I'll even have some that'll be like, oh, sorry, it's only 45 days notice. We just got our closing date. I was like, stop. You never have to apologize if you're going to buy a house because I will always congratulate my tenants who are moving on to home ownership. I tell all of my new tenants coming in, if you leave because you're buying a house, please, they'll never be anything from me. If you call and tell me that you're moving and you're breaking your lease early or whatever that kind of looks like, um, I am, it's too important for people to get into their own home. You're, you're so sweet. I, uh, I absolutely love what you're saying. I mean, you're, you're so, you're so kind. And, and this is like, you know, we're not all like big, bad, like, you know, wealthy people that don't care about others. So, you know, thank you for, for mentioning that. And I think that's, that's great. Mandy, we can keep talking to you for so many, you know, so many more hours, I'm sure all about everything that you're doing, but um, we have come to our lightning round. So Mandy, we're going to ask you a series of four questions. Everybody gets the same four questions. You're going to give us uh, the first answer that comes to mind. You ready? Yes. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey, Right Club Nation, I just wanted to take a quick moment here. It is Sarah Larby, and I'm here with Laurel Simmons, and we have some really exciting news for you. And we heard you, we heard your emails, and we are going to be bringing you Right Club Nation online, coast to coast, accessible at any time of day. And you can be in your pajamas like I am right now, and you can access our great content. And what is going to be that content, Laurel? Well, we have videos, recordings of live events that we've held. We have webinars. We have, we'll have our podcast information up there. We'll have uh, forums and chat groups and all kinds of things. You'll even be able to find services and products that you need in your neighborhood, local for you, because we know how important it is that you have your local team with you. We're going to be rolling things out very quickly. And as we start, you'll see more and more stuff come along. And we really want you to join and become part of our online community. Absolutely. This is the first, and in my opinion, it was going to be the best Canadian online community of real estate investors and like-minded individuals. So guys, come and grow with us. Join our online community. Register and come and say hi and check out the amazing things. Yeah, and all you have to do is go to therightclub.com and you'll find us there. It's easy to register, it's free, and hop on. We can't wait to see you there. Guys, come and grow with us. And now, back to the show. All right, question number one, Mandy, what is your favorite real estate investing book ever? I'm going to say Think and Grow Rich just because I'm a wealth girl. Awesome. Love that. Napoleon Hill, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Love it. Love it. All right. Question number two. What is your favorite real estate investing resource? Other investors. 
current other investors, people who have done it, been there, currently in the trenches, fellow fellow people. No, there's no advice like uh, like firsthand advice, right? Um, all right, next question. I realized I was looking at the, the wrong list. So question number three, what is the one attribute, Mandy, that has made you most successful? Self-belief, grit, um, hard work. I know that's three, but I think they're all kind of giving you that idea of, yeah, just who I am. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. And the last question of the lightning round, it's a Sunday morning. You know, you're nice enough to spend some time with uh, Sarah and I this morning on a Sunday morning, but on a typical Sunday morning, what are you up to and what are you doing? Uh, so I walk with my, with a mentor friend for two hours, um, in the bush with my dog. So I'm grounded What they call it like forest, uh, forest meditation, great conversation, uh, challenging each other, uh, coffee with my husband, um, and enjoying the day, catching up on a few little things, but that's my day. That's my Sunday. Very cool. Mandy, if the Right Club Nation wanted to reach out or know more about you and what you do, how can they do that? Uh, I'd love for them to be able to go on to my website, mandybrenham.com, book a discovery call. Uh, we can talk about joint ventures. I can lead you in a good direction. My calls aren't all about getting somebody onto my thing for a joint venture. My calls are, where are you? Where are you stuck? And how can I um, you know, disclaimer, I say it as it is. So sometimes, you know, the, the truth that comes from me isn't necessarily the easy thing that people like to hear, but it's that little nudge that's like, okay, that's, that's where I needed to kind of work on. So just come on, book a call and uh, let's see what we can help you out with. I love it. I love it. So much amazing information this morning and uh, any last words of advice or anything that you'd like to share with the Right Club Nation today? You know what? Stay connected during this time. You know, I'm kind of looking at this like I'm on the start blocks with my feet in the, the, the blocks ready to go. And go is, go is, is COVID over? Go is, you know, like, is the market going to, what's the market going to do? But I'm ready. And I perceive that there's a lot of people in the waiting, in the change room going, oh, I don't really even know if it's my time. Is it, you know, is it, my race isn't coming up yet. Oh, there's too much going on. I'm not. They're back in there in the change room, okay? So it's go time. I want you prepared. I want you on your toes so that when an opportunity comes, go. If uh, they, there are more people out there, I have a duty in 2020 to put that money to work, guys. So get on the start blocks. Be ready because people are recognizing the market's not great, the stock market, their mutual funds. And what are they turning to? A solid asset with brick and mortar. Whatever that investment looks like, get to the start blocks because you need to be ready to act. There you go. Mandy, thank you so much for being on our show, on our podcast, and sharing your amazing insights. It was a pleasure. Thanks, Thanks Mandy. Bye. What a great podcast, Sarah. And, you know, Mandy's got so much amazing information, knowledge, you know, and I really liked how she talked about, you know, creating good deals, right? And creating great deals. You might find some okay to good deals out there, but we have to be creative as investors. No one's just going to come and put a portfolio of amazing cash flowing, you know, equity building properties in front of us. Why are they going to do that? That person's going to keep it for themselves. We got to go and find those and be creative and, and, uh, and, and I really love what, a lot of what, what Mandy was saying today. Yeah, 100% agree. I'll tell you at the end of the day, if you're waiting for that perfect home run deal, you're going to be waiting for a long time because by the time that it is actually uh, you know, a rarity, we're going to be snatching it up in no time and you're going to be competing with a lot of investors. So I, I will say create the deal. I love that she said that. 
there are good deals, but don't wait for that perfect deal because there is no such a thing as a perfect deal. But, you know, again, reach out to Mandy if you have any questions about real estate, about joint ventures. She's, uh, she's just, uh, you know, up there with, with some of the best in terms of uh, being able to provide some advice on joint venturing and, and all that good stuff. So yeah, you, you got it. You got it. There are, there are deals, there are opportunities every single day to be had. Don't be scared. Don't wait. And whatever metric you use, whatever, you know, indicators, you know, we talked about the 1% rule. We talked about, you know, how much cash flow you're getting. You're talking about equity, whatever that is to you, you have to know what your end goal is. I, my, one of my pet peeves is when somebody's coming up and say, where should I invest? What should I invest in? How should I invest? Is rent to own a good investment? Of course, I'm going to tell you rent to own is a good strategy. We have over 150 of them. Sarah's going to tell you Burr is the best. Someone else that's doing apartment buildings is going to tell you apartments are amazing. You have to find what it is for you, what you want your life to look like, what your goals are, and then you start matching it and have the end in mind of where you want to get to and then use that strategy to get there. And, and with the right club and all the resources that we have, this podcast included myself, Sarah, Daniel, Laurel, the, the amazing members of the right club community, reach out, get those experiences and find that out. You don't need to know today exactly, but get enough information where you can guide yourself to say, okay, that's what I think it's going to look like. And then, you know, adjust accordingly. It's not easy, but it's simple. So, you know, have fun, have fun doing it. Make sure that you, you know what your goals are, because that's what's going to keep you on track and get you through the tough parts. Yeah, well said, guys. There's not one perfect strategy. There's pros and cons to every single one. Right, Club Nation, thank you for tuning in. Thanks for being here week in and week out. Alfonso, thank you for being awesome. I'm happy that your Burr, first Burr is successful. I want to hear all about those numbers. Maybe you can share with us at some point in the future. But, uh, and Mandy, thank you as well for, for uh, sharing your wealth of knowledge. Right, Club Nation, if you could just take a quick moment and leave a rating and review, it'd be greatly appreciated. Thank you. Absolutely. See you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Right Club podcast and joining our community of real estate investors online at therightclub.com, where the focus is about helping you grow. We look forward to seeing you again next week. Thanks from your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi.